Matthew chapter 2. We're going to read through a portion of scripture that we're usually done by, done with by now. You know, these are the scriptures that oftentimes will be read leading up to Christmas. Um, but actually, timing-wise, it's very applicable because the timing of this event was after quote-unquote Christmas, after Jesus was born. So, um, But I think there's a lot of things here that we can glean from this account of the wise men. So let's turn to Matthew 2. We're going to read verses 1 through 12. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem was with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had, heard, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them, what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. When they had heard the king, they departed. And behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. So, this account of the wise men, this is one that we all know pretty well. Um, something that there's a few things that the Lord impressed on me in this, but as we go through it, um, a couple things to point out. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of conjecture as to, you know, where these wise men came from. There's church tradition that says what their names are. Um, some say that they might be kings based off of some scripture. and um, But we know that they are the Magi um, and from the East. That's all we know. We don't know exactly where from the East. Um, but being from the East, then they probably more than likely were intermingled with the Jews that were taken into captivity. So one of the things that's important to understand is that though these men probably weren't Jews, um, but were living amongst the Jews, were learned men, um, astronomers, philosophers, they probably had a bunch of letters after their name and didn't even know it. Um, but, uh, you know, these men were learned men and they were seeking something. They were They were focused on this Messiah that these Jews were talking about. Um, and, you know, there were Jews at that time that were looking forward to the, the Jewish Messiah. So this wouldn't have been a, you know, a radical idea um, of them being looking for, for the signs. But um, nonetheless, the Lord has used them in this, 
use them to as part of the the story of of Jesus' birth. Um, so, some point to Numbers twenty four seven as one of the prophecies um, that these men might have known. Um, it says uh, um, in Numbers twenty four seventeen. Um, this was Balaam's prophecy. He says, I see him, but now, not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob. A scepter shall rise out of Israel. Um, so we don't really know what, what would have fueled these wise men. Um, and it's interesting because even with a lot of the prophecies of Jesus' birth, a lot of these things they wouldn't have known at the time. You know, these are things that we look at and say, oh, here's the scriptures looking back at, it. oh, born of a virgin, you know, born in Bethlehem, all these things. You know, we can say, oh, yeah, that's how we know this is the Christ. Um, but to these men, they wouldn't have known these things as they saw the star and then started to follow because that information wouldn't have been, you know, it's not like we have it today where it's instantaneous. We can pick up our phones and figure out what's going on um, in the world. Or we can see the chaos, not figure it out, but we can see the chaos in the world. Um, so um, in that, they did know also from Micah uh, 5.2 that where the Christ would be born. And it made sense that they went to Herod first because you figure if there's someone, this divine um, child was being born, that this is something that would be celebrated, this is something that the the legal authority there King Herod would know about. Um, and it's interesting too, and I like, you know, little things like this, but, you know, when, when the wise men come say the king, and we see it in capital K, but when they talk about Herod, he's a small K. And I'm pretty sure he's not enjoying that right now um, because that went against Herod the Great um, as he was known. But anyway, um, one thing was clear that they were looking for and they were divinely guided to Jesus. Um, so isn't that kind of how we were as well, many of us, you know, we weren't necessarily looking for Jesus, but yet the Lord drew us to him. And for others, it was searching. Um, you know, think of so many of the apologists that are out there that were atheists or were even Muslim and then started searching the scriptures and, you know, to, to build up their arsenal to try to, you know, argue against Christianity. And then here they become believers in Jesus Christ because the, the, it's overwhelmingly um, clear that he is God and, uh, and a living God. So one thing too that it's when verse 3 where he says, when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. You know, no doubt he was troubled because this was a threat to his, his throne in his eyes. Um, Herod was known to kill even family members um, because of their, uh, anyone that was, you know, looking that they could um, come up against him as as king. Um, so when Herod was troubled, everybody was troubled. And in this, you know, we see um, as he calls the, the scribes and all the chief priests and all the scribes of the people together, um, and as they read to him, Micah 5, 2, um, one thing that struck me with this is how sad it was that all this, you know, he says all the scribes, all the chief priests, they have the information in front of them. You know, they even say to him, well, yeah, it's in Micah 5 too. He's going to be born here. You know, and, and yet these men were not searching, were not seeking. Um, you know, we see this a lot, sadly, um, in our culture. And I'm sure we all have people we know. And I, you know, I've 
told you my story. You know, I grew up in a Christian home, Christian school. And, um, you know, I see a lot of people who claim Christ. They, they claim um, to believe or follow, but yet their lives don't show that. And they don't, aren't, aren't drawn to the things of God. And that's not a judgment. It's just a, a discernment of the fruit that's in front of me. Um, but, you know, it's pretty sad that they didn't even have interest in their Messiah. You know, how much of the culture was in them to be at that point? You know, of the, 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 these were the men who were supposed to be the spiritual guides of Israel, of the, of the, Israeli, of the Jewish people. Um, and yet, they only had the head knowledge. They didn't have the heart drive to, to do anything about this. You know, it's, it's kind of interesting. You know, I wonder... Some speculate that it wasn't just three wise men, but there was a group with them, and you know all those things of the had servants and probably some other th- people with them and you know I even wonder to this degree if any of these priests or scribes maybe would have tagged along too we don't know it's all speculation, but I wonder because you know when Jesus went in his ministry, you know we had Nicodemus who at night was you know sneaking to him and wanted to to find out more, and he had other you know church leaders who at different times would come to Jesus and talk to him and then, you know, um, show a, a level of faith. And you've got to, in my mind, I, I got to think there's got to be, it's got to spark somebody, you know. I often pray, I pray this for my sons, I pray this for my family members who aren't walking or don't know the Lord. You know, Lord, those seeds that are planted, please water them. Please water whatever seeds are in them. And, you know, you've got to, we understand hardness of hearts, but there's got to be something that as you're studying the Word of God, know the Word of God, there's got to be something implanted that makes, that, that makes sense, that, that grabs a hold. Um, and I just, um, I wonder if that would have been something that would have happened to these guys. Um, but, you know, maybe they were just all a bunch of dry wells. I don't know. Um, sadly. But First Timothy Four one says, Now the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits, doctrines of demons. You know, and that's kind of that thought process as to what's happening. You know, what happened then? You know, there was it was a the silent period um for the for the Jewish people. Um and you know as we see what's going on in our country, we're praying that righteousness prevails. We're praying for justice. We're praying for these things. And, you know, hoping that the Lord will give us a reprieve from the things that are to come um, that would go against those things. Um, but, you know, looking at the church as a whole, you know, we know our church is crying out. We know we've had prayer nights where we're just begging the Lord for for these things and you know it's not about party affiliation it's about Lord we want what righteousness to to shine in this country you know this what this country is founded on um and so our hearts are in that way you know um as I always say I I vote for a platform not for a person um and so lining up with that but seeing a lot of those who who claim the name of Jesus who are supporting things that are not of God and you have to wonder, is this, you know, um, are we seeing a, a, a repeat in some ways of, of that downward slope? And we know we are because the end days are, are getting closer and closer. Um, but it's just sad. You know, it's, 
it's it's heartbreaking when you talk to people who have heard the truth, cognitively know the truth, but it's not attached to their feet. You know, it's not attached to their hearts, not attached to the rest of their their bodies. Um, And you know, my heart has always been for the people in the church who are dead, um, because there are so many. And you know, as I I lived that for a lot of my life as well. But um, in that, when you know, it says in verse seven that Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. Um, and then they gave him that information. They said, you know, because I want to worship him also. You know, this is something that we need to, as believers, have discernment because we know the enemy is a liar and a destroyer. And so there are those who will try to infiltrate um, the church. You know, Jesus told us there's going to be wolves, um, you know, amongst the sheep and um, in sheep's clothing. And so we need to have the, the knowledge of the religious leaders and the, the, the wisdom and the drive of the wise men to really navigate in this world. You know, Proverbs 2, verses 10 through 15 says, When wisdom enters your heart, and knowledge is pleasant to your soul, discretion will preserve you, understanding will keep you, to deliver you from the way of evil, from the man who speaks perverse things, from those who leave the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perversity of the wicked, whose ways are crooked and who are devious in their paths. Um, one of the things we can trust, we know that the Lord and is going to lead us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Um, one of the things, you know, is the understanding of if things don't go our way, then there's a purpose in it. If things aren't going the way that we think they should go, God's got a plan. And we all, I'm sure, can think of at least one instance where we thought, man, Lord, this was the perfect way. I, you didn't even have to think, Lord, just listen to me. And it would have worked out fine. You could have taken the day off. You could help somebody out in the Middle East. I don't know. And, and the Lord doesn't do it. He didn't do it. And, um, but that's where we've, knowing the word of God, being the scribes uh, of our own lives, being the, the Bereans, studying the word of God, that's where our minds then should go as we soak these things in. And not only soak these things in, then write them on our hearts, that our minds should start going to those verses that tell us, well, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you uphold you by my righteous right hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in all things through prayer and supplication, when thanksgiving, make your requests be made known to God. And that peace that surpasses all understanding will guard your heart. Those things will start flowing. So when we are holding on to something tightly and we have this angst, and then that's, this Holy Spirit starts ministering to us through these verses. And there's plenty of other verses. I'm sure we all have a verse that we've memorized in that time where we, we needed that verse. And, and, and it's really ministered to us. Um, but to, to have that faith to know that the Lord is going to lead and to trust in that is, is very important. First um, Corinthians two thirteen through 14 says, These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. 
So this is why it's so important, and, and I always say, and, and it's mostly, you know, a lot of the things I say are out of experience for myself and what I, what I need and all that, but this is why I'm often saying we need to have eyes to see and ears to hear, um, you know, because not only to hear the things of the Lord, but we need to have those eyes and ears because the enemy is working just as hard to destroy the church, to destroy the body. You know, I don't want to bring up specifics, but, you know, um, you're reading about some of these Christian leaders and some of them who were well-respected who then fell or, you know, things that came out after they passed away. And it's really heartbreaking and sad. Um, and we know that our God is a God of grace and we're not the ones to judge. I don't think you can throw the baby out with the bathwater. You know, they, for, for some of them, um, they had a great ministry. But it's a reminder that they're men. You know, I think one thing, and I'm sure Pastor Greg could agree with this, I think one thing that is a, a weakness in the church is people think if somebody's on a platform or somebody's high up in a ministry leadership position, then they don't need accountability. They don't need to be to any help. They don't, they're super spiritual and they're, they're riding on you know, the, the, the extra expensive gas as opposed to the regular that we're just pouring into our, ourselves. Um, but that's not the case. And I think that's where the, the, the danger is in, in all of our walks. If we don't have that accountability, um, we are going to be setting ourselves up for trouble. Um, and sadly, the enemy gets in there, and to and I've seen in in some instances with some in leadership where um, believing that they're above that, that they don't need that. But the reminder is is that, as far as I know, everybody who's walked on this earth and lived on this earth, except for Jesus, um, was human and was living in the flesh, and therefore they have an innate weakness that. Um, is something that needs to be guarded and and um, protected daily. That's why we need to be in the Word daily. That's why we need to be in prayer daily. Um, that's why we need to be seeking God daily. That's why we need to be checking our armor and 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 looking at the things in our lives daily to see what is is happening. I mean, it's a battlefield. You know, we use these analogies, but there's it's a purposeful analogy because we are on a battlefield. Every single one of us is walking on a battlefield. Um. So that's why it's so important for us to be Bereans, right? I mean, that's why we need to make sure that what we know, um, you know, is the truth and the word of God. And that's, you know, um, Amy and I were talking about this a little bit earlier. You know, it's, we've seen some people in our lives who, you know, know the periphery of God and know the periphery of the word, but don't know the word. So some of the things that they say, say, well, it's in the Bible. It's in there somewhere. It has to be. But, you know, it's kind of like if I had a bull charging me and I had a gun and I say, well, the bullet, I mean, I think it's in there. It's got to be in there. I'm sure somebody put it in there before they handed me the gun as this bull's charging me. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure most people, at least with wisdom, would not even be putting themselves in that position, um, let alone having that conversation while the bull's charging them. But anyway... Um, and so that's why it's so important for us to be the Bereans um, and to trust God that he's going to guide our paths. You know, we know, and you read through Proverbs, there's, you know, a proverb for every day, and, but we know that um, the fools are going to do what they're going to do. They're going to go down to the path of destruction. They're going to try to take whoever they can with them. Um, the wicked, the fools, the, the evil, 
Um, you know, and, and so we need to be even more cautious. And for some, you know, it's not even intentional, I think. There's some that do that in ignorance. That's why we need to make sure that we are having that discernment. Um, you know, there's some people who are just, well, they're just really a nice person. They must know God. They're so nice. I've heard that said, and I think that's probably one of the, one of the saddest and most foolish um, assumptions that can be made of anybody. Um, so in verse 9, uh, when they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. Um, isn't it awesome how what the Lord continues to show and lead them? I think sometimes we think like we are, like the Lord's going to take us to a certain degree, and then we've got to walk blindly in blind faith to figure the rest out. Um, because the timing isn't our timing, or it's just a different way. Um, and I think, you know, I know for me, I lived part of my life like that, where I didn't have that faith to say, okay, whatever, Lord, whatever you're going to do, however you're going to work it, I'm, I'm fine with it. I'll just keep walking and wait on you. Um, but in my ignorance, you know, years ago, it had been more of the sense of, you know, well, it's going to have to be this mysterious, um, you know, path that is going to need some kind of codes and, you know, all this kind of stuff that was out there, and then you buy their stupid book, and then it's a waste of money. Um, but anyway, I read about people like that. But um, but I think that, you know, when it was kind of funny. When I read their reaction, um, and it's probably just my take on it, but when the star led them to Jesus, um, and they were they rejoiced and were exceedingly great joy, um, and I know it's because they were before now the the king, the Messiah. But it, I could see it too, where and maybe I'm reading into it, but they were excited because God was still leading them. Um, you know, and what thought the thought that came to mind was Philippians one six. You guys know this verse: "Being confident is this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ." Um, and so. It just made me think of that, just how perfect God is, you know, how perfect he is in our lives. Whether we believe it or not, we are perfectly where we are right now at this moment for purpose. Even sitting here right now, listening to me, this is God has ordained it. We have come here and we are sitting here and there's reason for it. And I just think, you know, in those small areas and those big areas, like God is faithful. God had a purpose in calling these wise men. He had a purpose in these three men and whomever else, but these three men being the ones to be watching and waiting and to be, um, and to respond and to take action. So verse 11, when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary's mother and fell down and worshiped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So this kind of, you know, as we know, kind of destroys the whole nativity scene that we all buy, um, that the wise men were there at the manger because, you know, Jesus is already a a young child and he's in the house. So, um, you know, I don't think that we will be unbiblical if we keep the wise men with our crush sets or anything, but um, it's kind of interesting how that was all done. Um, But anyway, um, verse 12, then being divinely warned in a dream 
that they should not return to Herod. They departed for their own country another way. So there's three things that I want to kind of go over that we can either emulate or glean from um, the wise men that are definitely applicable to our lives. So first thing I want to look at is the wise men were watching and expectantly waiting. And uh, we saw that in verses 1 and 2 when they went to Herod and said, where is the king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and come to worship him. So we already talked about that these wise men were looking for signs of the coming Messiah. Um, And so I think what would be applicable to us in this instance, and we can find it in in Matthew chapter 25, um, if you want to turn there, um, and we'll read through that. So we already know the Messiah has come. That's why we are here. That's why we're in church. We, we know that Jesus has come in the flesh um, and walked on this earth, lived a sinless life, was crucified um, for our sins, paid the price that we couldn't pay. Um, the Son has set us free. We are free indeed, right? And so died, buried, rose again from the dead. So now we are the ones who are waiting for his return. Um, so if we read Matthew 25, 1 through 13, it says this. Then Jesus speaking, Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were wise and five were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight a cry was heard, Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, No, lest there should not be enough for us and you. But go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went in with him to the wedding. And the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you neither, uh, watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. So in that culture, the job of the virgins was to attend to the bride. Um, and when the bridegroom, um, or as we call it, the groom, um, shows himself to be ready to receive the bride, the virgins would be the ones then that would light the path um, to the, for the bride to go to the groom's house um, for the wedding. Um, and I think that's a beautiful picture, you know, when the Lord is coming again for us, you know, for his bride, um, which will be exciting. Um, Hebrews 9.28 says, To those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time apart from sin for salvation. Um, Revelation 19.7 says, Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife has made herself ready. So with this, you know, we have a responsibility. We have a job to do as we are waiting for Jesus to return. Um, You know, as these virgins were waiting expectantly, had their everything that they needed to do their job properly, um, and when the bridegroom showed himself, then they were able to to complete this this function. 
Um, and in that, you know, we know the time is near. Um, one of the things that is important to know, you know, it's interesting. I don't know if uh, anyone knows of or has read or seen BibleFacts.org. It's by Ken Johnson, who's out of um, Calvary Chapel, Johnson City, um, or Johnson County, Kansas. Um, it's very interesting, and he he does a lot of studying, and some of it just kind of, you know, goes outside my brain capacity, and I just start twitching when I'm listening and reading it. But um, he he has done a lot of research and study on the extra biblical books, and taking the ones you know, and, and done a lot of comparisons. There's some very fraudulent ones out there that we won't even look at. Um, and there's some that you can look at that are biblically referenced. You know, the Book of Jasher, and there's other ones that. You know, the Bible itself says, and the rest are written in the book of, or for us to read the book of. Um, so he's done that extensively, you know, study the Dead Sea Scrolls. Um, and there's just, it's just interesting information. A lot of it is just more of a companion to go alongside. Some of it op- opens your eyes up to um, the understanding of what the early church fathers understood the scriptures to be. You know, we, it's become so watered down in a lot of ways um, how we have it. Um, that we have so many denominations. You know, there's certain denominations out there, and I'm not going to go into it right now because this isn't the time, but there's certain denominations out there that their their doctrine and, and theology is not what the church fathers believed at all. Um, so it's just interesting and interesting to read some of these things. Um, also, too, with calendars and, and timing of it, um, you know, we know that we are told that we are not going to know the day or time in, in Mark 13, um, Jesus said, but of that day and hour no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. So take heed, watch, and pray, for you do not know when the time is. But we do have a lot of information on time of when other things are going to be happening. Um, so I say all this to say is that, you know, going off of some of the um, calendars that are that the Jews follow and the timing of the last year of Jubilee and all these things, that the time is near when Jesus is, is going to be returning. The time, the, the tribulation is not too far off. Um, and I'm not going to be one to give dates or anything like that. Um, I, I don't know if I'll be alive with some of the numbers that I've seen, but um, I believe definitely my sons or grandchildren will, will be there and be in it. So I say all that to say, and I know that's kind of like, uh, you know, periphery kind of could have easily bunny trailed there, but um the, the the main purpose is that the time is near. And so for us as children of God who are believers in Jesus Christ, we believe he's going to return. We believe there's going to be a great tribulation. Um, and I, I probably 100% would think that none of us here would want anyone that we know or loved ones have to even go through that. So the question is then, what are we doing right now to to make sure that our lamps are full, that we have the oil, um, that we need, and then we're lighting the way for for others. Um, so just a couple of things that I pulled out, you know, for um, some of the things that we should be doing as we're watching and waiting. First um, John 3, 2 through 3 says, Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. So the first thing I'm in this, my thinking is, you know, that we need to purify ourselves. 
And this is a continual thing. You know, we are obviously purified by the blood of the lamb. But then to go beyond that in every day and say, okay, what needs to be purified? You know, we talk about the, you know, any rust, um, iron sharpening iron, you know, those kinds of things to make sure that there aren't things that are coming into our lives that are distracting us, that aren't pulling us down. You know, it's, it's so easy to, to accept sin. Oftentimes when we talk about sin, it's, you know, we usually think of the big, the big sins um, the Bible talks a lot about. But what about those little ones that, and, you know, big and little, you understand what I'm saying. I'm not, sin is sin, but, you know, compromise, let's call it that. You know, what compromises have we, have we made, um, whether to fit in at, at work or with friends or in the culture, that is not of God. But somehow we've kind of justified it. Um, you know, I've seen that, I've seen that in the workplace to the point where some of the, um, people that have worked for me who have professed to be believers, uh, on the side, I've kind of called them out on that. Um, you know, to, to say, Hey, and, and out of love, you know, I've got a plank in my eye, so I'm not gonna, I'm not judging them, but to say, Hey, you know, this is what you, you, you claim to be a child of God, but you're doing this. Where does that, where does that rationalize? How does that balance out? Um, and most times that turned into a good conversation. Most times. Um, but, you know, the, the point of the matter is, is that for us, that we need to make sure that we are purified, our lives are purified. Um, and it can only be done with, with the, by the Holy Spirit in our hearts and our minds. Um, another thing that I think that we should be doing while we're watching and waiting, First Peter 3, 8 says, Finally, all of you, be of one mind, having compassion for one another, love as brothers, be tenderhearted, and be courteous. You know, to be able to be walking as one, to be in unity. Now, we know just how the church is set up in our world. We have the different denominations and divisions, and, you know, oftentimes we like to beat each other up, um, sadly. Um, I think the the church's biggest critic is the church in a lot of ways um, because of how we perform and act, and, um, and then the misunderstanding of the world of how we should perform and act. Um, you know, but... Uh, you know, that's the one thing that's very important for us is to be of one mind. Um, obviously, we're, we go to this church, we're of, of one mind, um, generally speaking, because we believe in, in the, the Calvary distinctives, which is found in the Word of God. We, we believe that we should be going through the Word of God um, verse by verse and chapter by chapter. Um, and we allow the Holy Spirit to move in us, and, and the emphasis is on the Lord God Almighty, and uh, you know, as we pray as one, and the power that we feel that comes from that, um, you know, this is very important. You know, it's it's hard to be. Well, as Jesus said, "A house divided cannot stand." Right. So, in that, we need to make sure that we're doing what we can as brothers and sisters to to make sure there's unity. Paul said that we should, where we can, um, be at peace with one another. You know. I, one of the hardest things in my life is <laughs> is to swallow injustice, um, no matter what scale of it. And you know, who am I to say what's just? You know, but um, I've I've struggled in that area, and I pray about that because me wanting to get what's just or what's right, you know, you know, um, and to bring discord is, I think, uh, uh, egregious in a lot of ways. You know. Um, and so, and this is something that I've been praying about for my life and for myself. Um, but to be of one mind um, and to have compassion for one another. You know, to, to love our neighbor as ourselves, as, as Jesus called us to do. 
And then I think the third point that I, you know, that stood out to me was just, you know, the Great Commission. In Matthew 28, 19, we're told to go therefore and make disciples of all nations, you know. What are we doing to actively usher people to the groom, to the bridegroom? You know, what's being done? You know, I think it's very easy for the church to be encapsulated, to be cloistered. We have a great fellowship, a great great love for one another. We do a lot of things well, but what's being done outwardly? What's being done, you know, whether corporately as a body or in our own lives? You know, where are we doing that evangelism that is, is, you know, at whatever scale? And we've talked about this before. You know, some are called to stand on, on you know, stones in the middle of town and scream the gospel. Um, others are, are, you know, don't have that same gift, but you can emulate, you can walk that out through, through your, your words and your, how you, can, you know, carry yourself. There's so many facets of it, but we all are called to, to, to make disciples. So what are we actively doing to do that? You know, the, the older men are called to do that for the younger men, to, to, to you know, um, have them and, and to bring them up. And same with the older women are, are called to do that with the younger women. So what are we doing to, to walk this out? And these are just questions and things to be praying about um, for ourselves in our own lives and then for us as a church too. Um, but, you know, the time is running short. And, um, you know, I understand, you know, the older people get, and this is not any kind of, uh, I'll, I'll just say it, um, but the more that they seem to talk about the Lord. Um, we have a friend who's 92 years old. He's healthier than I am. Um, and I'm more than half, he's more than half my age. Um, but, uh, it's all about the Lord. His texts are about the Lord. His talking is about the Lord. Um, and it's not to edify him or, or not to, you know, lift him up, but, you know, he understands. He's lived through a lot. He understands the times and, what, and, and the importance of it. And who cares if somebody's offended? Who cares if somebody's upset or you look like whatever, you know? Who cares? The problem is we live in a culture who, where we care. Um, and so I think that's one of the things that we really need to um, look at in our lives is just, you know... Um, yeah, anyway, we'll move on from that point. So the the next thing, the second point I want to look at is the, the wise men, they brought their gifts. Um, they brought the gifts of gold, which is, you know, a token of royalty, frankincense, which is a token of divinity, and myrrh, which was a token of suffering. So um, they brought these things to the to the child, the, the child king, the Messiah, um, and... Um, because he was going to lay down his life for us. Um, and these were the things that were all due him um, because he was royalty, because he was divine. Um, and, you know, the suffering that he went through. So in that, and I know we're, we're kind of times running here, so I'm going to kind of shorten things up here. But, um, you know, one of the things I want to look at as we are walking things out, what gifts are we bringing um, to the king daily. You know, we all have gifts. We know that. We all have talents and abilities. Um, are they all being used to the potential and the fullness of what God has called um, us to do? Um, Romans eleven twelve, I mean, eleven twenty nine says, for the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. Um, 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 11 says, 
There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. So if we are all of the same spirit, then then there's got to be, as we know, um, Paul also talks about the different body parts. You know, we can't all be feet. We can't all be left feet. You know, we all have a purpose. So in that, and we're are waiting, are we walking out that purpose? And are we bringing these gifts before the Lord? You know, I, I can say that I feel like I'm not doing that to the greatest potential that I could. Um, and And so that's something that I'm praying about. Um, and it might not be the gifts that are outward, you know. Um, it might not be the gifts that are expected, you know. Um, some of us might have gifts that haven't even been um, revealed or even we've shown. Um, and I think that's important to understand that there's all there's purpose in these gifts. And so I know as as we all want to be able to be bringing our best to the Lord, you know, that's the gauge at this point. You know, it's not it's not what the world sees and thinks. Um, you know, we were talking about when we went visiting up north and somebody said in a derogatory way to us, well, you know, it's just those Jesus freaks when that all happened. And, um, you know, it really it really showed that person's heart. Um, and and you know what? If we're called Jesus freaks, I think we should be OK with that, you know. Um, and this was someone professing to be a, a Christian too. But, um, you know, these are the things that we need to look at and say, you know, what am I bringing? Am I bringing what's due God? Even to the point of, you know, when they were bringing sacrifices to um, to the altar, you know, they had to bring what was perfect, what was good. You know, it wasn't just, oh, well, this one's got, you know, three good legs. And so I might as well take this one to the temple to, you know, sacrifice the Lord. No, it's supposed to be our best. So in that, are we doing that? You know, and that's that's not an indictment or a judgment. It's it's an encouragement, because I think in a lot of ways, you know, there's there's those areas where we we're just kind of skimming along, as opposed to okay, Lord, just you know, moving me, reveal to me whatever it is that you know that needs to be done. But um, the Lord desires for us to bring those gifts to Him because He gave us those gifts. He is the author, the creator of those gifts. And then the third thing um, that we can glean from the wise men as they were waiting is that the wise men were listening um, for the leading of the Lord and they departed from evil and distractions that, the, that would hinder their walk with God. So we saw that in verse 12 when they were divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to um, Herod. Um, and so... Again, what is in our lives that is hindering that, that is keeping us from hearing the Lord clearly? I think that's the biggest thing. Um, you know, I think I've I've said before that, you know, I was addicted to TV growing up. Um, my punishments growing up were the TV was taken away. 
Um, I went one stretch, and it might not be a big deal to some of you, but it was a big deal to me. I went a stretch for a month without TV one time. Um, and it was this big tube TV, so I thought when my parents went away, I would sneak and watch the TV, and then I'd be looking out the window, and they'd come. I'd turn off the TV, make it look like that. And uh, you know, yeah, I didn't even know till I saw my dad one time, because they would always catch me. I'm like, how could they know? How could they know? My dad would go behind the TV and feel the heat of the tube of the, of the TV, and that's how I would get caught. But anyway, um, but to me, I was, I was addicted, um, you know, and it was to the point where, okay, I'm a little bit behind you, but it was to the point where, like, I had them justify, I bartered, I'm like, okay, well, what about the news? Can I watch the news? Because the news is really important for 8, 9, 10, 11-year-olds. And what if it's PBS? Can I watch PBS? Because I need to learn. So somehow that worked. So I watched every news bit. We didn't have cable, but I watched every news bit I could. I mean, even where I lived in Philadelphia, we'd get the New Jersey channels. It came on at different times. So I was watching 5 o'clock, 5.30, 6 o'clock, 6.30, 7 o'clock, even the 7.30 New Jersey news. Um, I, I had it all finagled. But anyway, I really just was addicted to the TV. But anyway, so sometimes that creeps into my life, right? There's times where, I don't know about you guys, but there's times where I'm done working, I'm like, I just want to turn my brain off and sit in front and watch a movie or watch something, which I don't think in itself is uh, inherently wrong. But when it gets become that the pattern and then there's, there's, there's no, um, well, it can choke out. It can choke out the word of God. And really, in a lot of lives, and in my life, it was doing what, you know, basically the, the seed that fell on thorn, thorny ground that we saw in Mark that Jesus talked about, you know, um, that, um, as he says there in, verse, in chapter 4, Mark four eighteen uh, through 20, now these are the, the ones sown among the thorns. They are the ones who hear the word, and the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things entering in choke the word, and becomes unfruitful. Um, I want to be that other ground, that good ground, right? Where it, it, the, the seed is sown and it grows and is watered and is fruitful. Um, and so what are the distractions in our lives? And I think that that's something that's important to look at. Whether little, big, something the Lord is, is putting on your heart right now as we talk about it. Um, but there's always going to be something that's trying to um, vie for our ears and our eyes. Um, and in that is something that we need to guard very desperately. Um, and maybe it's not major sin, but, you know, the, even the small rust spots become um, bigger if unattended. So, um, as we wait for Jesus to come take us home, let's make sure that we're watching and waiting expectantly, that we're using our gifts and lives to present to him as we wait, and they were removing any distractions and hindrances of the Lord moving in our lives. So one thing, I'm, I have Hercules pull this up, a song that um, really, I, I love this song. Um, we have the words that we're going to put up there too. Um, but it's just something just to, to soak in. Um, as, as I was reading through this with uh, this account of the wise men, and I'm sure maybe you guys were too, you know, they were waiting for the first coming. We're, we're expectantly waiting for the second coming. And, you know, anytime I, you know, when we sing the song, Even So Come, you know, Jesus is coming soon. 
Um, and, you know, I, I love singing that over and over because it just does something in my spirit. It stirs my spirit. Um, reading the verses of the Lord calling us the bride. Um, all those things coming together just gets me more and more excited for the Lord's return. Um, and that desire. And, you know, it's so easy to be so focused on that that we forget, wait a minute, we still have purpose. We still have a mission to do um, while we're waiting for him. So, Hercules, if you don't mind playing that, and we'll just end on this and... um